Scooby Doo's not a phase, Diego. It's a way of life. Where have all the heroes gone? When the world needs a champion against the forces of darkness, who will answer the call? I'll have whatever he's having. You know what? It might as well be because I really love Zombie Island. Um, I, I, I did not love the 2000 movie or 2002, right? 2000, 2002. Yes, 2002. I'm fucking great. I have my notes today. Oh, uh, yeah. Directed by Raja Gosnell. Screenplay. Screenplay. What the fuck? Screenplay and story by James Gunn and also story contribution by Greg Titley, who I'm unfamiliar with. Um, but obviously, James Gunn's gone on to have major success with Guardians of the Galaxy. But he, to dial it back a little bit, he did Super, a kind of um, not really superhero, but uh, a almost kind of crime drama comedy about a man going through his divorce, which Gunn was also going through at the time. It's very, it's a very personal film for him. Um, Slither, which is a fantastic throwback to like those nasty 80s monster movies that are really slimy and vicious and have a really high body count. Uh, if you love monster movies, please watch Slither. It's so much fun. Um, and of course, he, he started off in the, the trauma camp, trauma films, uh, Tromeo and Juliet, I believe, is was the first thing he worked on way back when. Uh, he's had a, a working relationship with all those people and a good camaraderie with all of them for, for many years now. Uh, so he's got he's got a little bit of nastiness in him, and I think he's also got a lot of heart in him. And I think that's why people are so drawn to his Guardians of the Galaxy movie specifically. Um, Scooby-Doo was supposed to be not family-oriented, I guess, in this iteration. It was supposed to be much more uh, Kevin Smithy, I'd even argue. Much more uh, tongue-in-cheek, poking fun. At, parody. At yeah, much more parody. But I, I'd argue still loving, but uh, certainly a little meaner than the series was known for, particularly with one character. Um, holy shit. I, I'd say several, actually. I mean... It was supposed to be done in the style of the Brady Bunch movie, where it's kind of like the original characters, but obviously poking fun at a lot of things that, you know, were established in previous series. So, again, yeah, that kind of got lost in translation, because that wasn't readily apparent even back then. Yeah, well, here's what happens with movies now. When they set out to make a movie, and producers, the cast and crew are like, yep, this is the movie we want to make. And you decide halfway through production, hey, we don't want that movie after all. We don't like the way it's going. Make it this kind of movie instead. You know what you shouldn't do? What's that, that? Ever. Oh. <laughs> don't ever do that. I'll give this, though. This is the only role, aside from Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, where Scooby was voiced by Neil Fanning, who... According to an interview from, I believe, 2000, somewhere between 2002 and 2004, he was hired as a line reader for Scooby while they were filming a lot of the scenes from this movie, which was filmed in Australia. And they liked his imitation so much, they signed him on as the voice of Scooby-Doo. Scott Innes is still in this, but I'll... Getting into that later. 
to round out the rest of the cast, Shaggy is played by Matthew Lillard. Yeah! And apparently, they were considering Mike Myers and Jim Carrey for these roles. That's and the worst thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's no, the worst not, thing I've ever heard. Not at all. Like, Mike Myers just looks too old. To, they both look like they'd be too old to play Shaggy, even though they are playing older versions of themselves. Especially with Jim Carrey, because I always think, like... Cableman, Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey, not Yes Man Jim Carrey. So, yeah, he probably would have taken it a little too far, but this is pretty much the, this is the most spot-on casting for Shaggy you can get into. I will say it's like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, yes, and Matthew Lillard as Shaggy are like the greatest casting decisions when adapting a a franchise before I get into the rest of the cast, I want to make it clear that he did such a good job as Shaggy. When I first saw this movie, I could have sworn that Matthew Lillard was just miming Shaggy and Casey Kasem was doing the voice for Shaggy, but no, that was all Matthew Lillard. Fun fact after Casey Kasem left because of health issues in 09, there was an audition between Scott Innes to take over for Shaggy again in future Scooby-Doo series and movies, but he was beat out by Matthew Lillard. To this day, he is still the official voice of Shaggy. I just want everyone to know that. It's the best thing ever. He deserves it. To round out the rest of the cast, though, Fred is played by Freddie Prince Jr., who sought out to make Fred look as vain as possible, as much of a jerk as humanly possible. Yeah, he, he, he succeeded. Yeah, I mean... That's what they're going for here. It's not my favorite take, but... It wasn't so much that they were trying to make him unlikable. He was just trying to be a bigger jerk in Glory Hog, which is something we never saw out of Fred before this. Velma is played by Linda Cardellini, and Daphne is Sarah Michelle Gellar, who was romantically involved with Freddie Prince Jr. before and after the film. They ended up getting married shortly after it came out. And they're still married to this day. Yeah. Which is honestly kind of sweet. And last person who got top billing was Rowan Atkinson as Emil Mondavarius, the owner of Spooky Island, who brings the gang back together. And I'm going to be real with you. I don't think he deserved top casting because, frankly, his character was very underutilized in the film. Yeah, he told me, like, oh, Rowan Atkinson is the, the the villain of a Scooby-Doo live-action movie. I'm like, oh, that's perfect, obviously. Mr. Bean? Hell yeah. Zazu from The Lion King? Yeah, oh my god, it's too perfect. What could go wrong? This movie, well, apparently. Yeah, it, it's not very good. This but movie, I will, I will this, continue this movie is good. No, this movie is good. I'm going to argue that. Oh, it, okay. I will argue that it is good in the sense that it's still done with a lot of heart. The thing that ruins it is that those meddling producers got away with it. Uh, yeah, it does feel like... Uh, we saw a lot of this back then. With the Flintstones movie, too, like, producers trying to be like, all right, how do we make how do we make those... Uh, they take a puff from their cigar. How do we make them Flintstones, like, relevant for the, for the kids nowadays? You know, like, they're trying to bring everything back, but modernize it, and it just doesn't work. What I will say is that the, the cast is very good. Oh, also uh, Isla Fisher, who I always love seeing pop up in things because she she never got like her big role but she's always great um the the cast is, makes it really enjoyable and they're all pitch perfect for what the movie wants them to do 
Yeah, it's uh, just Matthew Lillard is, of course, the eternal presence. He he will always be uh, Shaggy Shaggy Rogers. Yes, Norville Shaggy Rogers. Um, again, the thing that uh, the producers also I think got away with was their choice of director. As you pointed out, he did Home Alone three. Roger Gosnell also did both Smurfs, move, Smurfs movies and Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And you would think at the time that this would have been a good choice considering his close relationship with Chris Columbus, who directed Home Alone, Harry Potter, the first two, like, and several, Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, that was kind of a weak choice, I think. Yeah. I mean, at this time, uh, Columbus was doing... I think the second Harry Potter came out this year or something like that. I believe so. Um, um, he, he's got a mean streak to him, too. It's definitely not in the Harry Potter movies, but, like, his original Gremlin script involved, like, um, the mom's head being, like, locked out of the kitchen. Oh, geez. Something. Like, like he, he's, he's got vicious. I think he could have done, like, if he was on Scooby-Doo instead of Harry Potter, and I love his two Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah, same here. But, like, if he was on this, I think think it could have worked um because yeah the, the director's not the best like i, I respect the hustle i'm not gonna I, oh I don't no wanna, definitely like, discredit him as a person but i will discredit him as a director because i don't think he's very good <laughs> yeah i mean just look up his resume and you'll see why yeah it's, it's too bad um the costumes i really like the costumes they're kind of like kitschy and tacky in a way that feels like appropriate for the vibe the movie is trying to go for the movie never go like gets all the way there but yeah it, you could see all the potential here for sure the thing is yeah the parody element was not very apparent because of how this movie was handled really um again like it was supposed to be more black comedy pushing for an r rating but according to sarah michelle geller once everyone had signed on the company decided, hey, we're going to make this more family-friendly, which is why we got a lot of cutscenes. I'm assuming a lot of which we have not seen. The special features on the DVD that had the deleted scenes, I, I want to say was only a handful of that, of what we got to see. It was only about 13 minutes worth of content. And 13 minutes worth of, I'd say, important content, because those were like very important transition scenes. And to further push that family-friendly tone, they got David Newman as the composer. And I'm not slamming David Newman by any means because he's related to Randy Newman. And as much as I like to, you know, just dump on Randy Newman, I mean, they have <laughs> done prophylic scores. Uh, David Newman did both Bill and Ted movies, which I loved a lot. But I feel like they just, hey, you know, uh, we want you to make it family friendly, and then he kind of he might have just signed on for a big paycheck, and then just like autopiloted the whole thing. Was like, I'm just going to do several renditions of the Scooby Doo theme and call it a day, because that was the most repetitive part of the movie for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really love David Newman's work on the film Serenity, which everyone knows is still the best Joss Whedon movie, because uh, that was before people like turned and started hating him. Um, um, uh, but he's got a really great score on that. Like, just check check it out, because uh, he doesn't get to shine here at all. Yeah, very. You you could feel like the producers like pulling all the strings behind the scenes and like, okay, more of this, less of that. Uh, they're really constricting these creative voices. 
but also True. Roger Gosnell directed it. So, you know, it's like, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. I mean, going into the movie now, um, the gang breaks up again this time after solving a mystery. Once again, a man in a mask, the Luna Ghost, who is haunting a toy factory, making Pamela Anderson dolls strictly because he got rejected by asking her on a date. That was literally the driving factor for him haunting the thing. And Daphne, I think, even mentions getting groped by him after she was captured and he's flying off with her. Like, this guy is just a bona fide creep. And that kind of adds to how dated the movie is. It's like, Pamela Anderson was big back then. Now everyone doesn't really remember her for anything unless it's like, you watched Baywatch or you knew of her escapades with Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. Which I don't need to get into for this. <laughs> but they break up because of budding egos. Daphne's tired of getting kidnapped. Fred's the glory hog. It's later revealed, though, that Fred is just trying to make the gang look good, but he it comes off as very self-centered, but he's also taking the credit for... He, he's trying to act like the spokesman for the group, so that's why he's taking credit for Velma's plans, and she's just tired of not getting her due. Because once they split up, Scooby and Shaggy are very, very visibly disappointed until they're reunited by... Emil Mondavarius, the owner of Spooky Island, to solve a case in which the college students that come to his resort have been acting very strangely. Now, in this, I want to talk about one of the deleted scenes pretty early here because in the scene where they're catching up and talking about what they've been up to since they broke up and reunited at the airport, Fred talks about how he's a successful writer. And in the deleted scene in the flashback, it shows that he's at a comic convention doing a panel with three people and the kids are just roasting him the entire time. Velma works for NASA and is trying to do soul searching, which takes her to a group therapy session in which she was part of a group that she reveals she was part of a group that never got her due. And when they ask her and she says, Mystery Inc., everyone's just like, oh, yeah, you know, Fred was so awesome. Daphne was so hot. And they're like, which one were you? Which I think would have uh, generally, like, helped the plot more if it's, like, if they kind of, like, ragged on Velma for being the forgettable one. But sadly, a lot of that got lost through, uh, through cut footage again. And... Daphne learned how to defend herself by practicing martial arts. But she was kind of a klutz because as she's doing somersaults towards an opponent, she somersaults too high into a tree. Again, I feel like there was just a lot of stuff that could have fleshed out the characters a bit more. They got cut from this. But again, I think it's just, it's still a fun movie for what it is. It, it's not the, the worst movie I've seen this year. I'll say that. No, definitely. It's still a lot of fun, regardless. Oh, and, and you know what? At the very least, even if you can't have fun with this movie, because I get someone being like, that was awful, you know? Um, this is grade A meme material. Um, yeah, I mean, the scene where... Jumping ahead a little here, but the scene where 
Scooby and Shaggy were having a burp and fart off. And he goes, and Shaggy just turns at Scooby and he's like, are you challenging me? Let <laughs> become a meme. Like, I'll yeah. be real. And, uh, you know, there were, th- there were aspects I got lost in, in this. There were a lot of stoner jokes because there were already rumors circulating before this movie came out that it was going to be the black comedy, the, again, the Brady Bunch movie-esque comedy where Shaggy and Scooby were going to be stoners, well, primarily Shaggy because marijuana is harmful for dogs and cats. Just want to throw that out there. Um, Belma and Daphne are implied to have been lesbians, which was uh, poked fun at at a deleted scene. Somewhat. Stuff like that. The one, the only thing that really stayed were the stoner references. Right after the, the, the band, right after the gang breaks up, Scooby and Shaggy still have the mystery machine and Pass the Duchy by Musical Youth is playing. And there's a bunch of smoke coming out of the mystery machine. And Shaggy's just like, man, talk about getting toasted. And they're just cooking burgers. So it's intentionally misleading. Then when the messenger from Spooky Island shows up, Shaggy says something along the lines of, hold up, my, my notes went black here. Shaggy says something along the lines of, oh, Scoob and I don't go near any place with spooky, haunted, forbidden, or creepy in the name. And Scooby interjects, or hydrochronic. <laughs> right, or hydrochronic, but that's for a totally different reason, man. <laughs> Unless you're a very avid stoner, I would argue no one would pick up on that because hydrochronic is weed grown with hydroponics. Not to get into that too much, because frankly, that's not my area of expertise. But Matthew Lillard, Lillard does pronounce it as hydrocolonic, which uh, has a completely different meaning. And, of course, there's Shaggy falling in love with a girl named Mary Jane and remarking that it's his favorite name. It's later revealed that, aside from clashing egos, uh, Fred just generally does care about the rest of the gang. And he's trying to make them look good, as I previously mentioned. But he just, you know, he, he does he does a very terrible job of, do, of doing so. I mean, when he's with Velma in Spooky Island Castle and... She points, oh, like, you only like the swimsuit model type. And to quote Fred, he tells her, hey, I'm a man of substance, but dorky chicks like you turn me on, too. <laughs> he was trying to compliment Velma, but he doesn't know how to compliment people. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, like, they definitely played up the Fred being stupid thing from a pup named Scooby-Doo to Eleven in this movie. Yeah, it's, uh, the... the- the problem I have with it is that it just feels like very broad, generic, like movie stuff. You know, it, like I've, we've seen characteristics like that in far less memorable films from far less memorable characters. Like this is very much like generic adaptation one one going on at times. Yeah, I'll argue that. Yeah, but. Again, the only reason I'm able to pick up on this stuff is because I've kind of dug into it a little deeper. Because a lot of, again, it's generic adaptation 101 on the surface. You have to really kind of dive into it a bit more to really see where they're going through with this. There are references to previous Scooby-Doo series. Like when Scooby first gets scared, when they're all in like the lobby area of uh, the Spooky Island Resort, Fred specifically goes up to him and he's like, 
he goes to Scooby and he scolds him and he tells him this is more embarrassing than the time you were caught cleaning your beans at Don Knotts' Christmas party. <laughs> Obviously a more adult joke and also a reference to Don Knotts who was on the new Scooby-Doo movies. And I feel like when it comes down to the Spooky Island Castle part, I really loved uh, that part of the movie the most. It's like the second race scene in, Speed, in 2008 Speed Racer where it was a complete throwback to the classic series. Even though there were some tropes subverted, such as uh, Daphne actually taking the lead, and the part where Velma and Fred almost get impaled by axes, and then trying to find the secret book on the bookshelf to stop the guillotines, and they try every single book, and it happens to be the last one. <laughs> but... Um, there are some very dated aspects of this movie. I would say this one is dated far more than the animated movies because Pamela Anderson, Sugar Ray is the band playing the pool party. I had that in my notes too. <laughs> and they come and try to kill Shaggy and Scooby, presumably. The theme song at the beginning is done by the artist Shaggy, who's more well known for Mr. Bombastic, which was a very weird choice, I think. I think they were trying to play on the whole, you know, ha, Shaggy, Scooby-Doo. Let's just throw him in because his name's Shaggy. Oh, God. Kind yeah. Of thing. That, that's, I don't hate that, but it's not something I enjoy. Uh, it's dated. Yeah. A, a couple shows have been doing that that I like recently, and I'm like, you're better than this. And I'll give it this. There's a lot of tension in the plot, and that's what drives a lot of this movie. Again, the clashing of egos between Fred, Belma, and Daphne. And even between Shaggy and Scooby, which I think really helped this movie out a lot, because in every series, Shaggy and Scooby are the best of friends ever, and they rarely, if ever, argue. And you see this very early on when Shaggy's trying to, you know, hang out with Mary Jane consistently. He's pushing aside Scooby, and Scooby is very clearly hurt by that. It culminates in an argument later on when Scooby suspects that Mary Jane is one of the demons that are inhabiting the bodies of the college students. And when Shaggy's skeptical, he straight up calls him wit. It has one of the arguments, one of my favorite arguments between anyone in cinema. Scoob, what are you doing, man? Step off, Scoob. Reggie, all ripped. I'm whipped. Oh, yeah? Well, why don't you say that to my face, man? Well, read right now! We're on a reach back room! Now, Scooby-Doo, your mom eats cat poop! Whoa! <laughs> Bring it! You want some? You want a little piece of the shag shirt? Feel the pain! Okay! And you find out later that uh, Emil Mondavarius is trying to pit Scooby against Shaggy. Daphne actually does find the Daemon Riddus, which is an artifact that is linked to the demons as part of a ritual that will engulf the world in darkness for 10,000 years, as long as a pure soul is sacrificed. So Daphne, I do give this credit, this movie credit for making Daphne more proactive as opposed to just being a damsel in distress. Oh, completely. No, I'm complaining about the movie, but it definitely tries new things with the characters. And I think for the most part they work, again, aside from Fred being just a jerk because that kind of does fall flat unless you dig into his reasons for why. But um, eventually, you know, they some of them do get captured. There's uh, Fred's slang being very dated. I mean, I remember being nine years old, nine, ten years old watching this movie and 
when they first encounter Fred after he gets captured by the demons, he's like speaking in slang and he drops a biatch in there. And I'm like, oh my God, Frank said biatch. <laughs> Again, a very dated thing because no one says that anymore. As it is, it's derivative. It's slowly like leaving a lot of people's vocabulary aside from an adjective to, to you know, say that something's really awesome or something. And of course, there's also Daphne mentioning opening a can of Chinese whoop ass. That uh, was a, a line I did take issue with. Yeah, no, very. Uh... Like, especially because, like, yeah, I get that you're like martial, you're, you're doing martial arts, and it would have made more sense had that scene been in the movie. But still, that's uh... you know, even then, it's like, come on, like that. I'm glad that wouldn't fly nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely dated, but once they're kind of cornered, and after Scooby and Shaggy's big argument, we find out the villain is not a man in a mask. Rather, the twist of the movie is it's a dog in a robot suit. Scrappy-Doo is the villain of this series, of this movie. And you know what? I, I think... It's a situation of them having the cake and eating it too. It's like, yeah, it's not really a man in a mask, but at the same time, it kind of is, but like not not in a way that's like we've seen it before. It's in a way we've literally never seen it before. Literally. <laughs> and the person the person behind this robot mask, yeah, Scrappy Doo, like I didn't understand as a kid. I was like, what did I miss? I don't understand. <laughs> how 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 why is he a bad guy now? Yeah, and Again, James Gunn's intention with this movie was to kill Scrappy-Doo off once and for all. Because when Velma's talking about Mr. Ink's past, they all got along. But Scrappy-Doo was, was the thorn in their side. Do you he, know why Scrappy-Doo was chosen as the villain? James Gunn just really hated Scrappy-Doo. His quote on Twitter from January 7, 2016, so pretty recently is that because Scrappy is just a completely fucking awful person. <laughs> oh, jeez. And that's the thing. Like, his first appearance, they try to play him off as being, like, the most arrogant person ever. And he even claims, like, he should be the leader and not Fred. <laughs> and, again, he's doing this not only to rule over the world, but to get his revenge, and his downfall was inviting all of Mystery Inc. Because had he just invited Scooby and Shaggy, Shaggy would have run for the hills immediately, and he would have gotten away with it too. But his arrogance is his downfall. It's and, so weird. It's 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 the right kind of dumb, I think, for this yes. movie. And Scott Innes did get his due because he, yeah, due. <laughs> he he gets his due because he voices Scrappy Doo briefly. And when it came down to killing off Scrappy-Doo, this movie succeeded because the only references I can count that he's been in Scooby-Doo or referenced in Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law, the episode where Scooby and Shaggy are arrested on suspicion of being stoners. He appears at the very end, says his puppy power catchphrase, then Avenger... Birdman's eagle just comes in, swoops him off, just with him, 
And it's revealed in later episodes that he actually ate Scrappy Doo. Oh my god! Because his bones are still like in the office. <laughs> and in S- Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, they're in a museum that houses uh, exhibits from the gang's past exploits. Wow! I haven't seen. Look away, Daphne. We all promised each other that we would never speak of him, not ever. Freddie Prince Jr., who I think kind of gets the short stick. He was he was he one does. of those Hollywood pretty boys actors but he was like i think he's genuinely like soulful in performances which is not something i think anyone's ever said about him uh but i i got into buffy later in my life so i love smg um linda cardellini is always great and never ever gets enough to do so you know what credit to these two movies for allowing her to like thrive in the forefront uh i haven't seen her netflix series left for dead or love dead or something like that but i hear it's very good i don't know um i'm, I'm a big fan of, of those three and uh i feel like movies need to start giving them more to do you know what here's my pitch make a third scooby-doo movie with this cast there was supposed to be a third scooby-doo movie now that you mention it the <gasps> thing was monsters unleashed did not perform well at the box office Aww. my very quick take on monsters unleashed is yes it does pander to the older audience because the villains are for the most part previous Scooby-Doo antagonists like uh, the Ghost of the Black Knight from the very first Scooby-Doo episode. So it's stuff that like they would definitely that adults would pick up on. But the thing about the movie that I dislike was it throws both Thelma and Shaggy's love interest out the window so Shaggy no longer has a love interest and Thelma now is falling head over heels for Seth Green of all people. Not to rip on Seth Green, but his character in this movie is, like, really awkward. Okay, I, I barely remember that. I just remember the Black Knight walking into the news station and saying you're canceled. And that, like, blowing my mind as a kid. So I, I need to he, watch that again. I think he meant canceled in, like, haha, you know, TV series, you're canceled. Not cancel culture of the late 2010s. Oh, yeah, no. It's clearly different connotations. Yeah. For, for I, I want... The movie also pales in comparison for me. Uh, A lot of people say that they enjoyed it more than the first one. But the second one clearly was family-focused from the start. And I feel like production on that was troubled because I can't pull up the exact quote. But Matthew Lillard, I believe, claimed that he showed up to premiere that movie stoned out of his mind. Ah. To just give you you an idea of what went through that. That process, even though they had James Gunn also writing the screenplay and Raja Gosnell returned for that. I'm pretty sure it was just more of those meddling studio executives getting away with whatever they wanted. Yeah. And you know what? That's crazy. I just look at the budgets for that. Uh, the first movie cost, what is that, 84 million, 85 million? The second Jeez. one cost 20, 25 million. And it, the second one made. Almost $200 million, $181.5 million. And the first one made $275 million. And according so like, to Matthew Lillard, the second movie did not make enough money to warrant a sequel, a third movie, which is crazy. Awkward. Yeah, I, I could have sworn going to AMC when I was a kid, and I could have sworn I saw a poster for Scooby-Doo 3 at one point. Huh. But again... The plug got pulled, and 
we did get two additional live action Scooby Doo movies, but they were for Cartoon Network, and it was supposed to be yet another retcon of the gang meeting each other up mm. for the first time. It was supposed to be a prequel to these. The Scooby in that one doesn't look the best. And this is like early 2010s now. Like, you have no excuse for bad CGI, even in a low budget production. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. But yeah. for what it's worth, Zombie Island and the live action did renew interest in Scooby Doo because uh, the year after this movie came out, we got What's New Scooby Doo? We got Casey Kasem back as Shaggy. Frank Walker took over for Scooby Doo while also still playing Fred. We got the Sco a new Scooby Doo theme song performed by Simple Plan. And generally now, I think Scooby Doo has cemented itself as a pop culture and American icon through both of these films, for better also, or worse. Also, explain to me what this is about. Mommy! Shaggy! You mess with my Shaggy, you mess with me! Scoob! Oh, pal! He did it! He saved me! It's okay! It's okay, buddy! Good boy! Down boy! Easy boy! They do first blood, not me. I actually am not familiar with this. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. Mystery Incorporated did go a little darker. I'll give it that. And, again, I did mention that, you know, there were a lot of Scooby-Doo derivatives. One of... I haven't seen much of Mystery Incorporated because that was kind of like when I fell off the wagon of staying up to date with a lot of cartoons as much as I am a fan of both Japanese and American animation. But there's an episode where Scooby-Doo has a fever dream and the gang is supposed to compete in the Mystery Solver State Finals against the crews from Speed Buggy, Jabberjaw, Captain Caveman, and the Funky Phantom. But the villain shows up and rounds up everyone so it's up to the cowardly sidekicks to come together to save the rest of the gang. And uh, my favorite takeaway from that episode was it was the funky phantom that was the bad guy. <laughs> of all people. And I do want to add that my idea for approaching you about doing this thing, Diego, was listening to an... Am I allowed to mention other podcasts? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Of course. Just because it's not one of ours. Okay. No, no, no. It's totally fine. So I did want to mention that the reason I came up to you with the idea to do these Scooby-Doo movies is not only how impactful Scooby-Doo has been on my childhood, but another podcast I was listening to, The Deep End, an Adult Swim podcast, did an episode on the special Night of the Living Dew, and they slightly veer off topic to talk about the live-action Scooby-Doo and that got me pumped. And I'm like, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to approach Diego and I'm going to pitch, let's do these Scooby-Doo movies. Let's talk about why these films were instrumental in solidifying Scooby-Doo in the American conscious, in pop culture. He's not just I, a forgotten icon. I think we've done a very good job of discussing that, if I may say so myself. Uh, and... At the time of this recording, we've also, you brought to my attention um, that Zombie Island is getting an official sequel. 
Scooby-Doo Returns to Zombie Island. So not only have we just discussed two important Scooby-Doo movies, we might be talking about a third one. Yes. And As of, uh, I'm, very, I'm very excited to, to get into that eventually. The, the thing I got tipped off about this was when I first implored you about wanting to do this podcast, I was, you know, doing quick research. And then on Wikipedia, it said planned sequel. And it's like a sequel, Scooby-Doo Returns to Zombie Island, is scheduled for a 2019 release. And the only citation they had for that was a guy on his LinkedIn profile who was just like, I'm looking for new work. I just finished on Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. Oh, <laughs> they won't hire him back anytime soon. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't officially announced yet. The trailer dropped... Comic-Con, I believe. Yeah, it was dropped the week of Comic-Con and it premiered the Friday of Comic-Con 2019. And the release date is October 1st, 2019. The whole tagline, or not tagline, the whole concept of the movie being there was one mystery we didn't completely solve. After Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase, a lot of all the Scooby-Doo movies were now done in-house at Warner Brothers Animation. They would reflect the what's new Scooby-Doo art style and then go with the completely original style based on, based on Scooby-Doo, where are you? which is what they've been using for the most part since. So it could be interesting. Again, I'm looking forward to it. But there is one other, there is another Scooby-Doo movie coming out in 2020, a 3D animated film called Scoob. The, the whole plot is the gang is teaming up with Captain Caveman to stop Dick Dastardly from Wacky Racist for some reason and his evil plot. And so that raises eyebrows for me. Because first of all, you have the voice cast. They just yeeted everyone out the window. Frank Walker is the only original voice member. Or Frank Walker is the only original cast member as Scooby-Doo. Zac Efron is voicing Fred. Will Forte is voicing Shaggy. Amanda Seyfried is voicing Daphne. Gina, Rodri Gina Rodriguez is Velma. Tracy Morgan is Captain Caveman. What? Ken Jong is in this as Dino Mutt, Dog Wonder. And Mark Wahlberg's the Blue Falcon? This is insane. I'm just not happy that they... Again, they tossed out the voice cast on their butts. I know uh, Matt Lillard was very disappointed to hear that they were not contacted about this whatsoever. They just decided not to go through with it. And this is the first major Scooby-Doo production that's not having Frank Welker voice Fred. And he's always been tied to Fred, even when he would show up in, like, Family Guy, like, the episode where Peter knocks out the TV satellite for the town, and he was wondering what Scooby and the gang are up to. And they're solving murder cases. That was Frank Walker as Fred. Matt, you so, know what? It sounds like it sounds like again Hollywood doing that thing where like, oh, we're gonna make a big animated movie, but we're gonna get big name stars because people love big name stars for our animated movie. The truth is, no one gives a shit, and <laughs> no, no one cares. Real. Let's be real. They're trying to make this part of a larger, expanded Hanna Barbera universe, and I'm like. There is really no need for that. No, that, there are lots of crossover films in the past. 
they had Jets to meet the Flintstones. They had, you know, several, they had Laugh Olympics, like I mentioned, with all those characters intermingling with each other. Like, there's really no need for this. And again, that's the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe effect on the movie industry as a whole. Everyone's trying to do their own cinematic universes. DC, the Universal Monster movies. Oh, well, those died, like, immediately, to be fair. Yeah, and... This one, who knows? It might be too early to tell, but this might meet the same fate. I'm trying not to look on this negatively. I don't like to judge things unless we have actual tangible thing to watch and base our reactions off of. But as much as I don't like that decision, I don't want this to fail. Especially since it is, you know, Warner Brothers Pictures, Warner Brothers Animation. Yeah. But again, we'll see what happens when when we get this, it has been, uh, it has been in development since 2014 when they first announced it. Wow. So anything is possible. I mean, Scooby-Doo is like a cockroach and, but I mean that with a lot of affection, he won't die. And I think that, I think the thing about Scooby-Doo is the premise of the original series was very simple. So it allows anyone to kind of just go in whatever direction they want to without straying too far from what makes Scooby-Doo Scooby-Doo. And it's, at the end of the day, Scooby-Doo is just a talking dog who's afraid of, any, of everything and four friends that are driven by a hunger for solving mysteries and genuinely love each other very, very much. And again, I believe that these two movies help bring Scooby-Doo from the brink. No. I believe that these two movies really solidified Scooby-Doo in a time where you could get away with deviating from the source material without getting slammed on. Because as we've seen with several remakes and reboots, you can't do anything nowadays without the internet collectively coming together and saying it's terrible because you're messing with my nostalgia. Yeah, if anything, I hope it encourages people to try new things because who gives a shit what I want out of a Batman movie? I want to see what someone else can bring to a Batman movie. Like, just, just make the best version of what you want to make, you know? Do it with heart. Just, you know, try to keep it true to the source material while also offering a different take. I mean, I'm a very well-known Teen Titans Go apologist. And I appreciate what they're trying to do. I know it gets dumped on so much that Thundercats War got dumped on. She-Ra got dumped on despite being a lesser-known property from the 1980s. Okay, to be fair, for She-Ra, there was clearly like a, a male entitlement thing going on there. Uh, yes. For Teen Titans Go is the only other one I've seen. Uh, I will also go to bat for Teen Titans Go. That's a genuinely clever, inventive, funny show. The new DuckTales reboot, which I I love the original DuckTales, and it almost it exceeds it. Even if it was unpopular that a lot of the original cast is not returning, but dang, the different take, still being true to the source material. And Scooby-Doo, I think Scooby-Doo's in good hands. Even if the, there is a glut of direct-to-video films, again, you're, it's taking the gang to new places. It's 
Sometimes it's the man in the mask. There's twists and turns here and there. There's even a Scooby-Doo movie that was animated that was filmed using puppets based on the pup named Scooby-Doo incarnations. I mean, the sky's the limit for this franchise. And as much as I do not like the milking of franchises, again, this is something that you could do a lot with. So it really doesn't feel like they're milking it. I think that's a good place to leave off on. Mr. Christian Patches Morgutia, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for inspiring this episode. I had a, I had a fun time revisiting these movies, even if I much preferred the first one to the second. Um, I cannot wait to talk about Return to Zombie Island with you. I have, I have a very high watermark now for, for that entry uh, that I'll, I'll make sure to adjust accordingly. But yeah. uh, where, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Machapon underscore. That's M-A-T-C-H-A-P-O-N underscore. You can catch me talking about my opinions on what I'm currently watching, my random thoughts, my retweets of general shitposting, and fan art of video games and anime I really love. I am planning on doing some just chatting streams on Twitch. You can follow me on twitch.tv slash twitch.tv slash machapon. If I am not already doing so by the time of this recording. And I'm planning on starting my own podcast with another friend. Uh, can't give too many details on that because it's been on the back burner for a while. So we don't really have much of a... Uh, we don't really have a structure or a theme for it, but when we do get that going, we will be more than happy to let you know. Yes, and and um, I will make sure to, to add it to the description down below along with all the other links. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, then on the screen in front of your face, it, I will put some images there to where you can find things. Uh, and of course, you can find me at the Diego Crespo on Twitter, Waffle Press on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, iTunes, check out the Patreon, where patrons make episodes like this possible, and so we can get even more equipment, and one day it would be really cool to have our own Scooby-Doo van. That won't happen. That's not what the money's for. But help us anyways, because honestly, if we made a bajillion dollars, I would totally spend some on that, because I love the mystery van. <laughs> The Mystery oh. Machine, oh my god, I would definitely do that too, but please support these guys. They are some of my closest friends that I've known for a long while. That would be amazing if I yeah. could make a living off of this. That would be the greatest thing ever. There you go. That's it. Help us make a living off this. Otherwise, I have Help to... some very nice people. Yeah, otherwise I have to go talk to other people to, to make livings. And I don't like that. Hey, it's fine, but it's not the same, you know what I mean? So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Thank you. Thank you. Scooby Doo. No one is stupid enough to believe that. Who's the ugly old broad? Oh.